Galatians 3, 1 through 13. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you not to obey the truth, before whose eyes Yeshua the Messiah was openly portrayed among you as crucified. I just want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now completed in the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if it is indeed in vain? He therefore who supplies the Spirit to you and does miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed the Almighty and it was counted to him for righteousness. Know therefore that those who are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The Scripture foreseeing that the Almighty would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the good news beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations will be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Now that no man is justified by the law before the Almighty is evident, for the righteous will live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Last week we examined Galatians 5, 16 through 25, and we saw that Paul upheld the commandments. He rebuked the works of the flesh, and he upheld walking by the Spirit, which means walking opposite of the flesh. We even saw that Paul said that people who practice works of the flesh, that is lawlessness, will not inherit the kingdom. We saw that very forthrightly from Galatians 5. But today we're going to look at another section in the book of Galatians, specifically Galatians 3, verses 10 through 13. But this is a different kind of text than we saw last week. This is a text that emphasizes grace in the gospel about Christ. Over the years, I have made some people upset by teaching the law. I think that I've made even more people upset by teaching the gospel. I am not a lawman. I am not a gospel man. I'm a law and gospel man. There is nothing to be scared about when it comes to grace or mercy. You need grace and mercy. Grace is when Yahweh bestows upon you favor that you do not deserve. And mercy is when Yahweh withholds punishment from you that you do deserve. And I can assure you today, you deserve to be punished. And the sooner that you submit to that statement, the easier it will be to receive Paul's admonition and really the whole Bible's admonition about not seeking to be justified by law, but instead seeking to be justified by grace through faith in the Messiah. Psalm 103 verse 10 says that Yahweh has not dealt with us as we deserve, and He has not repaid us according to our offenses. And you meditate upon that. I spent a whole day one time meditating on that right there. 
He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. He has not repaid us according to our offenses. I meditate on it so long and so strong that I wrote a song or put some music to those words. If Yahweh dealt with us as we deserve, we would all be put to death. We would have no chance. If He repaid us based on our offenses or our sins, we would be condemned forever. And I can tell you this about me, about Brother Matthew. If not for the grace and the mercy of Yahweh, I would not be here teaching this lesson today. I do not deserve to be here. I deserve to be destroyed and cut off from the Creator. I have committed sins against His holy and righteous law. I have not fulfilled the requirements of the law. I have not obeyed the law like Yeshua obeyed the law. Let's talk about Yeshua here for a second. He's my favorite man in all of Scripture. He's the man whom Yahweh appointed to bring us eternal life. He's the holy child, Yeshua, Peter called him. He's Yahweh's beloved son in whom Yahweh is well pleased. And with that in mind, here's two rock-solid points in Scripture. Number one, the law of Yahweh is perfect. When I use the word perfect, I mean without blemish. No flaws, no burrs, no problems, no faults. The law of Yahweh comes from the mind of Yahweh. There is zero things wrong with Yahweh's law. Zero. Number two, Yeshua is the manifestation of that law in a human being. When the word of Yahweh became flesh, it was the Torah or the law of Yahweh that became flesh. Yeshua is the walking law. He's the walking Torah. And because He is that, He too is without blemish. No flaws, no burrs, no faults, no sins. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says that Yeshua knew no sin. Hebrews 4.15 says that Yeshua was tempted in all points, just as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 7.26, the author says that Yeshua is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And in 1 Peter 2.22, Peter says that Yeshua did not sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. In Isaiah chapter 53, Yahweh says that His suffering servant, who is the man from Nazareth, had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in His mouth. Each of those verses prove that Yeshua was sinless. But my favorite passage proving this is found at the baptism of Yeshua. When Yeshua came to Yohanan, John, the baptizer at the river Jordan, John immediately recognized that Yeshua was the Lamb of Yahweh that takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. Matthew 3 verse 6 says that everyone else was coming to the Jordan to be baptized by John, confessing their sins. Mark 1 verse 4 says that John preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And John balked at none of the people who came to be baptized except Yeshua. He balked. When Yeshua came to be baptized, John tried to stop him in Matthew 3.14. And he said, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me. Now John was a dedicated servant of Yahweh. Righteous, righteous man of Yahweh. He was a pure Levite. He had a Levite father. 
and he had a Levite mother. He was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. He was dedicated and consecrated at birth. And he devoted his life to Yahweh in the wilderness, which was the typical Old Testament dwelling place of a prophet. Yet John said that he and Yeshua needed to switch places at the baptismal pool. John needed to repent and confess his sins too, so he was amazed that the Lamb of Yahweh was coming to him when John said, hey, I need the Lamb to baptize me. I don't need to baptize him. John was not ignorant. John was correct. He did need the Lamb to baptize him, but the Lamb responded to John by saying, suffer it to be so now. Two key words in that sentence. Suffer and now. Suffer carries with it the meaning of allow it. Some Bible translations say allow it, and Yeshua says right now, for now. Suffer it now. Allow it, John. You're correct. I am the Lamb of Yah, but allow it to take place for now because I must fulfill every righteous requirement of the Almighty. And in this case, one of the righteous requirements was the baptism of John because Yahweh sent John. So Yeshua was fulfilling that requirement for now. Basically, he was saying, later on, John, I'll be the giver and you'll be the receiver, but allow it for now. See, Yeshua was perfect just like the law of Yahweh, and that's because Yeshua is the law of Yahweh walking as a human being. What people had been reading on the scroll, they were able to see in live action when they watched Yeshua of Nazareth. Now, the reason I cover this point is because it will help you to see your need for grace and mercy. Anytime that you begin to feel high-minded because you've kept or obeyed a commandment, you must remember what the standard of Yahweh is. The standard of Yahweh is not keeping some of the commandments some of the time. The standard of Yahweh is keeping all of the commandments all of the time. That's Yahweh's standard. He's that strict. See, the law demands three things. A personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. Well, I have not done it personally. I have not done it perfectly. And I have not done it perpetually. That is something none of us in here have done. Yeshua is the only man that met these demands. None of us have loved Yahweh with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength like Yeshua did. None of us have. Looking to Yeshua helps you to realize that you are not Him. You may strive to be like Him, and you should strive to be like Him. I do. But I'm not Him, and neither are you. He is the unblemished Lamb of Yahweh. There was a reason why all of the sacrifices under the Mosaic Covenant, and even before that, in the time of Abraham, had to be complete, perfect, Tamim in Hebrew. There was a reason for that. They were types and shadows of the real lamb that would come. Unblemished lamb. He's the unique, beloved son of Yahweh that was sent by Yahweh the Father to take away your sins against Yahweh's holy, perfect law. See, we are sinners in need of a Savior. Yeshua did not need to be saved from his sins. He didn't have any. We, on the other hand, have many, even now as believers. As we saw last week, as a people indwelt by the Spirit, 
we still have the ability to walk according to the flesh. There's a constant battle, spirit versus the flesh, every day. That's why we don't only just pray every day, give us our daily bread, but we also pray every day we should forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. With this in mind, we will be helped to see Paul's stress about grace in Christ here in Galatians chapter 3. Paul's stressing grace never means that we ought not obey the law, but rather that we have not obeyed the law. Let me repeat that again. Paul's stressing of grace never means that we ought not obey, but rather that we have not obeyed. We would all be lost without grace and mercy. We could never save ourselves because the very first time that we sin, we're disqualified from the strictness and the standard of Yahweh. When a person depends and relies on the law to justify them, they fall under the curse of the law. Let me explain this from Galatians 3, beginning at verse 10. Paul says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, I've heard some pro-Torah, messianic, Hebrew roots, whatever you want to call them, teachers, I heard one just the other day on a short video clip make a big deal about translating the first part of Galatians 3.10 as for as many as are out of the law. This particular teacher on this video, he was saying of the works of the law, that's a mistranslation, it should say out of the law, outside of the law. I've heard many teachers say that, but they are all wrong. They're all wrong. All of the literal scholarly translations of the English New Testament from the Greek are correct by just saying of the works of the law. King James Version, New American Standard Bible, Revised Standard Version, Young's Literal Translation. I actually consulted 28 different English translations online and not a single one of them read out of or outside of the works of the law. And that is because of the works of the law in Galatians 3.10 is a contrast with of faith in Galatians 3.9. Look at these two verses together. So then those who are of faith, does that mean out of faith? That's the same word as of the works of the law in Galatians 3.10. Of faith does not mean out of faith. You know what of faith means in Galatians 3.9? Relying on, depending on faith. It's talking about justification. Those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 10, for as many as are of, same word, Greek, ek, the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Of faith does not mean outside of faith or out of faith. In verse 9, it means relying on faith and depending on faith. So it follows in Paul's argument that of the works of the law in verse 10 means relying on the law and depending on the law. Always let the context of a passage determine the meaning of the word for you in your studies. Don't read one definition of one word and think that that definition covers every use of every time that word is used in the Scriptures. Let the context determine the passage. Here Paul is clearly making an argument. Those who are of faith are blessed. Those who are of the works of the law are cursed. Both cases mean relying on 
and depending on. Those who rely on faith, they're blessed. Those who rely on the law, they are cursed. This is why translations like the New English translation, among others, translates verse 10 as, for all who rely on, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. That's not a literal translation, but it carries across the meaning quite well. If you rely on the law to cleanse you, to make you right with Yahweh, to justify you, you are under the curse of the law. And this is why. Because you have not kept all of the law. So if you're relying on it, you're relying on something that you have violated. The New Living Translation gets the meaning perfectly. NLT, Galatians 3, 9 through 10. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the Scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to do them. Now, Galatians 3.10 is certainly not saying that you're under a curse if you obey the law. That's not Paul's point. Obedience brings blessings, right? Disobedience brings cursings. Paul's not saying you're cursed if you obey the law. He's not saying you're cursed if you honor your parents. You're cursed if you don't covet. You're cursed if you keep the Sabbath. That's not Paul's point. It's not Paul's point at all. The verse is teaching that you're under a curse if you do not obey all of the law all of the time. That's what Paul means by being of the law. Paul's point is that those who rely on the law to justify them to declare them right with Yahweh are under a curse because you're relying on something that you violated. And you know what? That would include all of us. Every one of us. If any of us are of the works of the law, meaning relying on, depending on the law, to declare us justified in Yahweh's sight, we fall under the curse of the law. That's Paul's point in Galatians 3.10. And he doesn't just bring it forth himself. He goes back to the law to prove his point. It's in Deuteronomy. He quotes Deuteronomy. Notice he says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. That is from Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy 27, we have a chapter that talks about cursings that are pronounced upon those who walk not according to all things written in the law. Let's read this in its entirety to get a feel of the text. Deuteronomy 27, beginning at verse 15. Cursed be the man who makes an engraved or molten image, an abomination to Yahweh, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. All the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he who sets light by his father or his mother. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he who removes his neighbor's landmark. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he who makes the blind to wander out of the way. All the people shall say amen. Cursed be he who rests the justice due to the foreigner, fatherless, and widow. All the people shall say amen. Verse 20. Cursed be he who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's skirt. All the people shall say amen. Cursed be he who lies with any manner of animal. All the people shall say amen. Cursed be he who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. All the people shall say amen. Cursed be he who lies with his mother-in-law. All the people shall say amen. Cursed be he who strikes his neighbor in secret. All the people shall say amen. Cursed be he who takes a bribe to kill an innocent person. All the people shall say amen. Now, 
Track with me here. Let me ask you a question after we read those verses. What law is this in Deuteronomy 27? What law is this? It's Yahweh's moral law, isn't it? It's His morality. It's His way of life. It's certainly not the oral Torah. Some teachers have said that Galatians is about the oral Torah. Paul's condemning the oral Torah. This isn't about the oral Torah. Paul quoted Deuteronomy 27. This is about the written Torah. Paul says, for it is written, cursed, and he quotes Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. Let me also point out something else here. Paul is not dealing with a ceremonial law here. We just read Deuteronomy 27. Those, that's not the ceremonial law. Those are not laws about the temple, about the priesthood, about the uh, old Jerusalem, the sacrifices. Paul's not dealing with any of that. Paul is dealing with Yahweh's morality, his moral law on an individual and on a society. We may say moral and civil law. That's what Deuteronomy 27 is about. Deuteronomy 27 is about the moral and civil laws of Yahweh. The laws required to be carried out by an individual people or a society as a whole. It is Yahweh's moral law that is in view here in Deuteronomy 27. Thus it is Yahweh's moral law that is in view in Galatians chapter 3. That's the law that Paul's talking about, the same one that he just quoted from. So when Paul uses the phrase works of the law in Galatians 3.10... He is speaking of Yahweh's moral and civil law, the written Torah. There's no need to try to come up with some kind of fanciful interpretation here. And I feel like that's the case with so many in the Messianic, Torah-keeping, Hebrew roots movements where they read something, it doesn't fit with something they have preconceived in their mind, and they come up with an interpretation, and it's like me out on the job site trying to make a four-inch PVC pipe fit inside of a three-inch coupling. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's no need to try to force the text to say something it doesn't say. Let the text speak. Let Paul speak on his own. Paul is clearly talking about Yahweh's written morality. He quotes from Deuteronomy 27 for crying out loud. So there's no need for us to add in some kind of different law here. Well, at the end of Deuteronomy 27, we read a summary of the cursings, and I'm going to quote from the Septuagint, And the reason I'm going to quote from the Septuagint is because Paul quotes from the Septuagint. If you compare Galatians 3.10 with Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, you'll see Paul is quoting from the Septuagint. And the Septuagint says here, Cursed is every man that continues not in all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, so be it, or amen. That's the last verse in Deuteronomy 27, the, the cursing chapter, we might say. Again, Paul is quoting from the law to prove his point. And his point is that in the law we read that if a man does not continue in all the words of the law, he's under a curse. Now remember when I said that the law demands three things. A personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. It's one thing for me to say that. It's another thing for me to prove that. Well, Deuteronomy 27, 26 proves that the law demands those three things. Personal obedience is proven by the fact that the curses are being pronounced on persons. Notice it says, every man. The law demands personal obedience. Perfect obedience is proven by the fact that the verse says, continues not in all the words of this law. Not some, not most, not like Islam, the Muslims teach, 
that God weighs your good works against your bad ones, and as long as you've got 51 good works and 49 bad, you'll be able to make it in on, on your works. No, that's not how Yahweh operates. Yahweh says, Cursed is every man that continues not in all the words of the law. Perfect obedience. And then perpetual obedience is proven by the fact that the verse says, Cursed is every man that continues not. Perpetual. Throughout his lifetime, from birth to death. Continues as an ongoing action. All the time, all the days of your life. That's perpetual to an individual, a human. See, you can offend Yahweh in one single point of the law, one time, and you've broken the law, and you fall under the curse of the law. That's how strict and how perfect Yahweh is. It is. Now the Pharisees held to a very low view of the law. A lot of people think the Pharisees were really strict law keepers, but the reality was they were not. Yeshua rebuked them many times. They held to a very low view of the law. They limited the law to a few external qualities. They got my tassels on. I got my phylacteries on. I'm wearing a nice long robe. Do I look the part? Is my beard in shape? Is everything okay? I want to walk out in the streets of Jerusalem. I want to make sure everybody sees me and knows that I'm a holy man. Well, how many know that you can look holy on the outside and be full of dead man's bones on the inside? That's what Yeshua says. So they held to a very high view of themselves, but a very low view of the law. They brought the strictness of Yahweh down to a level where they could fulfill the law and make people think, we're the righteous guys in Israel. We're the, we're the separatists. That's what Pharisee means. We're separated from everybody else. We're stricter than everybody else. Look at us. A high view of the law is a strict view of the law. So strict that it condemns every person in this building and every person in every church and every person in every Messianic, Torah-observant, Hebrew roots and Christian Israel congregation on the planet. The law is so strict it condemns every one of us. Brother Yaakov, Brother James put it like this. James 2 verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he has become guilty of all. Now the meaning here is not that all of Yahweh's laws hold the same weight. We know that there's greater, more heavy laws, and there's lesser, lighter laws. It's not like if you forget to wear your tassels one morning, if Brother Dennis wakes up and gets to work and he looks and he doesn't have tassels on, it doesn't mean he's committed murder. That's not what James 2.10 is saying. Wearing tassels is not as heavy as thou shalt not murder. Amen? Hopefully you agree with that. Okay? That's not the sense at all. The sense is, is that all of the law is given by the same lawgiver, Yahweh. So to violate one precept of the law means you violated the unit of the law. And if you violate it at one point, you're guilty of violating the law as a unit. The old Presbyterian commentator Albert Barnes puts it very well in his comments on Galatians 3.10 when he writes this, quote, the idea is that a man who does not yield compliance to a whole law is subject to its penalty or to a curse. All law is sustained on this principle. A man who has been honest and temperate and industrious and patriotic, if he commits a single act of murder, is subject to the curse of the law and must meet the penalty. A man who has been honest and honorable in all his dealings, yet if he commit a single act of forgery, he must meet the curse denounced by the laws of his country and bear the penalty. 
So in all matters pertaining to law, no matter what the integrity of the man, no matter how upright he has been, yet for the one offense the law denounces a penalty and he must bear it. It is out of the question for him to be justified by it. He cannot plead as a reason why he should not be condemned for the act of murder or forgery that he has in all other respects obeyed the law or even that he has been guilty of no such offenses before. End of that quote. Albert Barnes, Presbyterian from the 17-1800s, is spot on with James, Paul, and Moses in Deuteronomy. When a man commits a sin or a crime, he may not appeal to all of his acts of righteousness before that crime, as though those acts gets him off scot-free for the crime. A thief, a murderer, or a false witness may not say to a judge, but what about that time I gave to charity? I know I've committed murder now, but what about when I gave to charity? Or what about when I saved that lady from a burning building that one time? Or what about all the times I kept the Sabbath? I know I'm guilty of theft. I know I'm guilty of perjury now. But what about all the times I kept the Sabbath, judge? No, no. The man falls under the penalty of the law based upon one sin or crime. That's Barnes' point. That's Paul, James, and Moses' point. Yahweh's point, actually. So when it comes to our declaration of righteousness, when it comes to Yahweh slamming down the gavel and saying not guilty, it takes perfection in the law. The law is perfect. It takes perfection in the law. And I have not given Yahweh perfection. I have not given Yahweh sinlessness, and neither have you. Cursed is everyone who has not continued in all things written in the law to do them. And that's Paul's point in Galatians 3 verse 10. And so we move to Galatians 3, 11 through 12 where he further explains his point. Now that no man is justified by the law before the Almighty is evident for the righteous will live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them will live by them. I want you to notice the three particulars in verse 11. Justified. No man is justified. That's declared innocent, declared not guilty, forensic righteousness, being declared innocent from all guilt, all crime. By the law, that's the moral law. Paul in verse 11 is talking about the moral law. He just quoted Deuteronomy 27. No man is justified by the moral law. And then the third part is before Yahweh. That's in Yahweh's presence. Now see, when we're dealing with horizontal, men to men, we see each other. We see forth the fruit. We can know a justified person by the fruit that he bears. I can know if Ron or Frankie or Dennis is justified by what they practice, but that's before men. Paul's talking about before Yahweh. Yahweh doesn't just see the outside. Yahweh sees the inside. Yahweh looks at the heart. I've heard people say, Yahweh sees my heart as though that's a good thing. Yahweh sees my heart should be one of the most terrifying things you've ever heard in your life. He doesn't judge based on externals. He judges based on internals. So he not only knows what you do, but he knows the motive that you do it with. You see my point? No man is justified by the law before the Almighty. Three particulars, very important there, or you'll mix up Paul and James in James chapter 2, where James is talking about justification in the sight of men. Horizontal. What men see. Faith without works is dead. No man is justified by faith alone, but also by works. But he's talking about justification in the sight of men, not in the sight of Yahweh that sees the heart. This is talking about before Yahweh. See? Before Yahweh. 
Then Paul quotes from Habakkuk 2 verse 4. He's a great exegete. Paul's a great scholar. And he quotes from the book of Habakkuk to prove his point. And most people miss this. In verse 11, he quotes, The righteous will live by faith. That's from Yahweh's mouth through the prophet Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2 verse 4. That prophet spoke several years earlier speaking by the Holy Spirit and he expressed that the justified man is able to live by faith. By faith. Faith in Yahweh. Faith in what Yahweh has accomplished. Faith in Yahweh's purpose and His plan. That's what the justified man lives by. So here we're talking about a righteousness by believing versus a righteousness by the works of the law. And it's before Yahweh. None of us are justified before Yahweh by the works of the law. The works that we read in Deuteronomy 27. And the prophet Habakkuk proves that. Then Paul quotes from Leviticus 18 verse 5 in Galatians 3 verse 12 when he says that the law is not of faith. If you go back, I'm not going to do this, but if you go back to Leviticus 18, you'll see Leviticus 18 is all about the moral law. That's what Leviticus 18 is about. And Moses, or Yahweh says, the man that does them shall live in them. Paul's point here from Leviticus 18 is that the law demands you do this. Not you believe this and live, but you do this and live. The law says, Yahweh says, his strictness, you do this and you'll live. The problem is, is you haven't done it. Neither have I. Now I'm just pointing out, I'm pointing in. That's Paul's point. On the contrast, the righteousness by faith or belief is not based on works. It's based on trust. Yes. Trust in what Yahweh has given to you. Trust in His gift. And what is Yahweh's gift? Well, the next verse tells us in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. My friends, whom I love dearly, as long as you're trying to take care of the curse by your own efforts, you cannot allow Christ to take care of the curse for you. You can't. Have you ever had someone help you out financially? You're in a financial bind and you are needing it bad. And somebody says, listen, brother or sister, I'll help you out. I can handle it. Now, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself, and I can know that that is a little demeaning to me. I feel like I can't provide for myself. I shouldn't feel that way because a brother or sister is going to help me out. But I feel like I can't provide because I'm letting somebody else take care of my problem. Well, I think that's what a lot of us try to do when it comes to the law. And this bothers me. You know, it's not only Christianity that has its traditions, but it's also the Messianic movement, Torah keeping, whatever you want to call it, movement. They have their traditions too. And people get upset. I've gotten phone calls. People get upset with me, not when I cross the Christian traditions, but if I cross the Messianic traditions, they get upset with me about that. I'm not about appeasing a denomination, organization, I don't belong to any of them. All I want is to, is to go by what the Scriptures say. That's all I want. And if, as long as you're trying to justify yourself by your works, by your own efforts before Yahweh, you're not allowing Christ to take the curse 
for you. It's like somebody is offering you a free gift and you're saying, no, that's too demeaning. I don't want you to pay it for me. So long as you have a high view of man, a high view of yourself, and so long as you view yourself as a little sinner, you will view Yeshua as a little Savior. You will. Christ, Yeshua of Nazareth, redeemed us from the curse of the law, that curse that was upon us because we did not continue in all that the law demands. We did not do everything that the law said to do. The Messiah redeems us from that curse by becoming a curse, not based on something He did, but becoming a curse for us. Usually it's criminals that are cursed. Thieves, murderers, daggermen, they're cursed. People that violate the law. Yeshua didn't do any of that. He wasn't on the tree. We'll talk about this in a second from Deuteronomy. He was not on the tree hanging there because of something that He had done. He became a curse for us so that the curse could be removed off of us. That's the proxy. He was Yahweh's proxy for us, substitute for us. Isaiah 53, verse 6, Old Testament. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And Yahweh hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That's substitutionary atonement. He became a curse for us. When you see yourself as a big sinner, you see Yeshua as a big Savior. You realize He's forgiven you of much. There's a parable that talks about whom He has forgiven much, loves Him much. And the reality is that Yahweh and Yeshua are wanting to see, wanting us to see there is that we all need to be forgiven much. None of us should think that we need to be forgiven little. None of us should. Because Yahweh's standard is, we'd already established it, perfection. That's His standard. Don't make Yahweh less than that. Don't bring Him down to your level. That's Yahweh's standard. He's perfect. Yeshua became a curse for you who were under the curse and there was no other way that you could get out of the curse except by Yeshua dying for your sins. You certainly could not do it by trying to obey the law because you've already offended in one point. And the truth for me and for you is that no matter how hard we try to obey the law, you have always and you will always come up short of Yeshua no matter how hard. Do you realize that if you try to be justified by the law, that you're actually trusting in yourself? You are. You're trusting in your own self. Yeshua did not start something that we have to finish. Yeshua said, it is finished. Some people say, well, no, no, Yeshua. It's not finished. i got to step in and do something else. No, He said, it's finished. He's the only man that obeyed the law personally, perfectly, and perpetually. And thus he qualified to be the unblemished lamb that takes away the sin of you and me. That's why when John, the baptizer, saw him coming before he was baptized, said, Behold, that's the lamb. Look. Behold means, look everybody. They were looking at him. That's the lamb. There he is. There's the lamb. I get cold bumps just thinking about it. What a moment that must have been. Oh, hallelujah. You and me will always have flaws, burrs, and nits, and shortcomings. And the reason is is because you and me are not Yeshua. 
Yahweh did not send you to be the Savior. You are not the Lamb that John the Baptizer saw and proclaimed. That's Yeshua's job, and that job is above your pay grade. He is the Savior, and you are not. He is the Redeemer, and you are not. He is the Messiah, and you are not. He is the unblemished Lamb, and you are not. He is the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, and you and I are the dead petals crushed by the weight of the law. The perfect, matchless, beautiful, holy, just, and righteous law of Almighty Yahweh. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He took upon Himself the curse of the law, which was the penalty of the law, which was death. Yahweh our Father gave us a law, and we disobeyed that law. But our big brother, Yeshua, walked into the room and took our whipping for us. And Yahweh said, I'll accept that as a substitute. We know this because as Paul keeps saying, it is written. Notice, for it is written. He says this in Galatians 3.13, and he goes to Deuteronomy 21, verse 23, to prove his point. And in Deuteronomy 21, the law reads, for everyone who is hanged on a tree is cursed of the Almighty. You can read the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 8 and Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua himself hung people that were cursed because of their sins and their crimes. One of them was the king of Ai. He hung the king of Ai that they had just defeated, the Israelites had defeated. He, he was cursed. He hung him on a tree, and then he took him down at evening because he wasn't to let his body hang all night. He took him down at evening and threw him at the gates of the city. Also in Joshua 10, talks about that too. It's not the tree itself, not just the tree itself, but it's those that were accursed of Elohim that were placed on the tree. And the Messiah became a, a curse for us. Our sins placed in there. And thus we see the necessity of Calvary. We used to sing songs about Calvary. I'm going to share one with you here in, in a moment. Calvary is taken from the Latin Vulgate. The word Calvary, we, speak, we sing at Calvary, that is based upon the Latin word Calvarium, which means a school. You've heard of Golgotha? Golgotha is Hebrew, Aramaic for the school. Some Bible translations won't say they led him to Calvary, based on the Latin. They'll say they led him to the place called the school. Scholars debate why it was called the school. Some people say that the hill looked like a human school from far away. Other people said there were so many criminals that were crucified there and hung on trees that the, their skulls and their bones were just left and they were never cleaned up. So when we say at Calvary, we mean at the place of the school where he was crucified. And Acts 5 verse 30 says that Yeshua was slain and hanged upon a tree. That's not in there for no reason. There was a reason why he had to be hung on a tree so that he could take the curse of the law on himself for us. Acts 10.39 says that they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Acts 13.29 says that Yeshua was taken down from the tree and laid in a sepulcher. And 1 Peter 2.24, Peter says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Daniel B. Towner in 1895 A.D. wrote these words. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. 
knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. The last verse of that hymn says, By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. And brothers and sisters, until you see the law in all of its perfection, until you see how wretched and sinful you are, until you recognize that the very first time you sinned, you disqualified yourself from being justified by the holy law of Yahweh. Until you see all of that, you won't hear the good news and think it's that good. You won't. But if you see all of that, you'll be on your knees every day thanking Yahweh for Calvary, the place of the skull. Every day. You will be able to shout hallelujah. You will be able to rejoice with exceeding great joy, weep tears of thankfulness about the Messiah becoming a curse for you. Listen, you've got to realize you're under a curse before you can be excited about the curse coming off. A person who doesn't think they're lost could care less about getting the proper directions, natural and spiritual. You meet somebody out here and you know they're lost and they're trying to get to Tennessee and they think that they're in Tennessee and they're right here on this dirt road. You try to give them the right directions, they could care less. They don't think they're lost. That's the hardest person to convince is somebody that doesn't think that they're lost. Until you see yourself as a big sinner, you won't see Yeshua as a big Savior. You think He's just a little asterisk. Tucked here on the end. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was all right. No, 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 no. He's it. He's it. If righteousness came by the law, the Messiah died in vain. He died. It was needless. It was needless. The law could have never gotten that curse off of you. And if you are trusting in the law to make you right with Yahweh, you will be under a curse until you repent of trying to justify yourself by your own deeds. You'll fall under the law's curse. The law will condemn you. Deuteronomy 27, 26 will ring out for eternity until you realize, I need to take the faith, the gift that Yahweh has given me. This was a very important thing for Paul. This was probably a disfellowshipping issue for Paul. And the reason I say that is because of what he says in Galatians 3, 1 through 2. If you've been looking to the law for your justification, you are foolish. Galatians 3, 1 through 2. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you not to obey the truth, before whose eyes Yeshua, the Christ, was openly set forth among you as crucified. I just want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? there is a good chance that Yeshua was actually openly crucified right in front of some of these people. Or some commentators think that Paul was talking about, I explained it so good to you, and I painted a picture for you, and it was like you were there. He's been openly crucified before you. Foolish, foolish Galatians. Who's bewitched you? Who's put a spell on you is what that word means in the Greek. Who's put a spell on you? You did run well. And when he's preaching the gospel there in chapter 4, he says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? A lot of people quote that out of context 
what Paul is specifically talking about is he's preached the gospel to people that are thinking that they're justified by their own works. And he's saying, no, you're not. And they hated him for it. And he said, have I become your enemy for sharing the gospel with you? He says in chapter 1, if anybody, even an angel from heaven, comes preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. And I don't say it once, I say it twice. And he repeats himself. This was a disfellowship issue for Paul. If somebody believed they were justified by their works before Yahweh. The Spirit that you receive, the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, Yahweh's Spirit that He blessed you with, did it come to you through the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did Yahweh save you? I say the same thing to you tonight. How did Yahweh save you? How did He put His Spirit in you? Because you were keeping all the law perfectly? Or because you had faith in His promise and His Word and His plan? And He filled you with His Spirit and then His Spirit overflowed and caused you to bring forth works of righteousness, law-keeping, obedience to the commandments. But how did you gain the Spirit? How did you get the Spirit? Think about it, brothers and sisters. Did you come to the altar, whatever it is, I don't believe necessarily in coming down to an altar, but whatever altar it is, when you came to Yahweh, did He give you the Spirit because you were such a great, obedient person? No. He gave it to you based on your faith. You got it the same way that Abraham got it. When Abraham was old and shriveled up and he didn't believe just like Sarah didn't believe. He said, Sarah's too old and I'm too old. But Yahweh said, don't worry. Eliezer, your servant's not going to be your heir. I'm going to give you an heir that's going to come out of your own loins, out of your own body. You're going to produce a child. His name was Isaac and they called him Yitzhak, which means laughter. Why? Because Sarah and Abraham laughed when Yahweh told them, you're going to have a son in your old age. But in Genesis 15, and Paul quotes it in Romans, Galatians 3, and also in Romans, it says that when Yahweh spoke that to Abraham, Abraham believed Elohim. And it was counted to him as righteousness. This is, he was still uncircumcised. He was justified. He was counted as righteous based on what? The works of the law? No, based upon his faith in the word of Yahweh. And it's the same way for all of you. And are you so foolish, Galatians, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Are you going to rely on your own self? Or is it going to be the Spirit's working in you? I've shared this before with some people, and I've heard it quoted back to me that in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, we read Peter say that the Holy Spirit is given to them that obey. But that verse is not talking about obeying the law. It's talking about obeying the gospel. Obeying the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says that vengeance will be poured out upon those that obey not the gospel of our Master Yeshua. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of the Almighty, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of the Almighty? And that's Peter's message in Acts 5. If you go to Acts chapter 5 and study it, the apostles are preaching to the men of Israel... They don't, the men of Israel that they're preaching to don't believe in Yeshua. And Peter says, the mighty one of our fathers raised up Yeshua, whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree, but the Almighty exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and Savior to grant repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. 
That was Peter's message. Nothing about keeping the law. It was about obeying the gospel. Believing in the remedy, the gospel, the good news. That you could now have salvation. You could be redeemed. You could be forgiven. You could be set free from the curse. Now, there were some that accepted the message and there were some that rejected the message. Paul and Peter agreed, vengeance, wrath. Revelation even talks about the wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb. Yahweh, it's not just Yahweh that has wrath. It's the Lamb too. A lot of people think, well, Christ, He doesn't have no wrath. Meek, lowly. No, Revelation says the wrath of the Lamb. If you don't obey the gospel, you fall under the wrath, the condemnation. The curse is still on you. So Acts 5.32, the Holy Spirit is given to them that obey the gospel. Think about Brother Cornelius in Acts 10. He was uncircumcised. He had not even been baptized yet. But while Peter was preaching what? The gospel in Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit fell upon Brother Cornelius just as it had on the apostles at the beginning of the congregation in Acts chapter 2. And he began to speak in other languages that he had never known. And Peter said, Whoa, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And he's talking about back in what we call Acts chapter 2. They got the same gift that we did in Acts chapter 2. And Yahweh was doing that to confirm Cornelius can be justified how he is. He's uncircumcised. He has faith. He's not even been baptized. Yahweh can give the Spirit to a person before they're even baptized. Some people got it after they were baptized. In Acts chapter 2, they got it after they were baptized. Cornelius got it before. Don't limit Yahweh. He can do what He wants to do. He can do what He wants to do. So that's the good news. Obeying the gospel. That's not called the works of the law. The gospel is how you get out from under the law's curse. Obeying the gospel means you place your faith in Christ, confess Him with your mouth, repent of your sins against the law. You believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. The Holy Spirit has been given to them that obey the gospel. As I close, and this has been long, I thought about separating this into two sermons, but I'm not going to get to preach for two weeks. And so I said, I'm going to preach a long one. Maybe somebody will fall out like Eutychus did in Acts 20. But as I close, let me say this. And I think I'm just preaching to the choir, but the, the words have to be preached. Quit trusting in yourself. You're not going to save yourself. Yahweh knows your heart. Don't trust in yourself for your justification. Quit looking at your works. Any righteousness that does flow out of you, and rest assured we saw in last week's message in Galatians 5 that the children of Yahweh do practice righteousness. They do practice holiness. And holiness and love is what? Keeping the commandments. But any righteousness that flows out of you flows because you've been given a new heart. Ezekiel 36. I will give to them a new heart and put a new spirit in them. I will place my spirit in them and I will cause them to walk in my ordinances and obey my statutes. So that means when we do righteous works, we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back. We should say, thank you, Father Yahweh, for leading me. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Spirit's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Matthew. Not the fruit of you, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. In this text in Galatians 3, we have seen that Paul upholds the perfection and the ultimate holiness of the law. 
Galatians 3 is one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament that upholds the perfection of the law. Paul's not doing away with the law in Galatians 3. He's actually, actually, he's making it stricter than even most Torah-observant congregations think it is. He actually is. Paul upholds its perfection. And in doing so, he stresses the frailty and the deadness of man in sin against the law. And justification by grace through faith in the Messiah who obeyed the law. The way we are declared righteous before Yahweh is not by our law keeping, for we've broken it. It is by faith in the one that Yahweh ordained, the Messiah, who kept the law personally, perfectly, and perpetually. And then he died as the lamb in our place. They hung him on a tree. He became a curse for us. Rest assured, brothers and sisters, rest assured, you are saved by works, just not your own. You're saved by Yeshua's works. You're saved by His works. He gave everything that Yahweh demanded. He gave it to Yahweh. And then, willingly, willingly, took our place at Calvary. I know this has been a little lengthy. Let's stand and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for another good Sabbath. Thank You for Yeshua, Your Son. Thank You for the righteousness of Your commandments. Father Yahweh, may we humbly approach You every day in thankfulness of the gift that You have given us. May we receive it in faith. May we not trust in ourselves, but trust in Your Son. And Father, then may You help us to bring forth fruit of righteousness and holiness as evidence, as we walk before men, that we have been declared right. We have been made new. I love you, Father Yahweh. So your son, I pray. Amen.